0: everybody it's your girl michelle with girls talk real talk because guess what when girls talk just about anything can happen so today on our show we have miss erica brooks erica why don't you introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience
1: hello everyone um i am erica f brooks Uh, most people know me um, as the founder of i know my value and um, basically it is a um, faith-based marketplace business. Um, I know my value because Jesus paid the price. Um, My specialty is basically helping people tap into their ability to get wealth. Um, I like to say God has given us the ability to get wealth. I provide the roadmap, but we know that that's holistic. Number one, knowing who we are because of whose we are, and also um, using our gifts because we understand our gifts will make room for us.
0: Okay. well, welcome again, Erica, to our show um i am really ecstatic uh to meet you and to share this moment with you so i want to jump right into it because i'm curious as to how you came up with i know my value
1: you know what if i'll be honest with you it was probably around 2011 i had been for years I, I can't even i don't really don't even know how far back maybe probably since i was 18 years old before i even knew much of anything have been pouring into women and even when i didn't know my worth so fast forward um entered into the ministry in 2006 was doing women's ministry and the lord gave me i know my value and at that time to be honest with you i did not truly know my value i was still dumbing myself down i was still um just trying to fit in. I still had approval addiction, but I didn't know why. But I went with it. And when I really began to go on a spiritual journey, he tied it to I know my value because Jesus paid the price. There was some blood that was shed for me. Um, I used to thought my value was caught up in a title. I used to think my vital, my um, value was caught up in um, a particular social, economical economic class. I used to think that my value was based on a relationship. I thought that he was the prize and then I soon learned that I was the prize. And so it was just a combination of things of finding myself and really getting spiritually grounded that I realized that you don't know who you are until you know who you are and that's where your value comes from. And then I began to use that and not only for ministry, but also in the marketplace, know your value in the marketplace. Yes, you can be a believer, but it's OK to charge for your services because the word tells us that our gift makes room for us and bring us before great men. So learning how to position ourselves and know our value spiritually, personally and in the marketplace.
0: That is awesome. I I think so many people need to understand and know their value Um my audience knows that i'm very transparent and it took me several years Mm -hmm. to um know and understand what knowing your value really means Mm -hmm. to be able to get into that space because we can know who we are and not know our value and and that. that is so very important um i i shared with someone a while ago um that There was a song on the radio it was a song on um the sirius xm radio that i listened to in the car and in the lyrics of the song it says that i am to die for and that stuck with me ever since i heard that Mm -hmm. and so when i was talking to this individual they was like life is so difficult it's so hard i just Mm -hmm. don't understand why i have to go through all the things that i have to go through you know and everybody keeps telling me the same thing about god doesn't put more on you than what you can bear and mm-hmm. and they're going through all of that and so i just let him finish talking mm-hmm. and i said do you understand what god said about you when he stretched his arms lowered his head and died and she just mm-hmm. kind of looked at me dumbfounded i said he literally said that you are to die for
1: wow And
0: I think that really begins to speak to what our value is and and for us to really step into that that space that gives us permission to say, okay, this is who I am. I know my value, so I'm not going to settle for stuff that demeans me. Yes. I'm not going to allow people to say Mm -hmm. things about me that does not add value. Mm You know, I'm not going to treat myself as if I'm not valuable yes and so in that i think we we have to begin to get into that Mm -hmm. space to be able to see that as we maneuver our lives as we go on this journey called life that there are things that we will experience that will show us okay you're acting beneath your value Mm And then there'll be other things that will begin to speak to us and tell us, okay, I need you to step it up because now I need you to realize that you're really worth more than what you're giving yourself credit for. So in the work that you do um, in your organization, I know my value and in the people that you work with, what are some of the tips or tools that you can drop for our listening and viewing audience? for them to begin to step up to the plate and understand the importance of knowing their value?
1: I would say the first, um, the first tool and tip is to really know who you are. And when I say know who you are, um, sometimes we don't know who we are outside of a title. Sometimes we don't know who we are outside of, and not just a career title, it could be outside of being a wife outside of being a daughter, outside of being a mother. So who is Erica? Who is Michelle without all of the hoopla? Who are you without the accolades, without the degrees? would at first identify who you are and understand that your value is not based on what the world says is success. Your value is not based on somebody else's, you know, definition. Maybe you know, as a child, some things were said because of this, this, and that. There was there was a comparison, and you based your comparison on my sibling was a straight A student, and I was a C student or I struggled. So first, identifying who you are without all the accolades, and that's who you are spiritually, because as I mentioned earlier, until you know who you are, you don't know who you are. That'll be tip number one. Um, in addition, when you find out, when you determine who you are they determine what do I stand for you know what are my core values and when you really know your value you will begin to set boundaries because you understand because I am important I know my value then I can't allow people to treat me any kind of way and I believe that many times we have um, when we didn't know our value we have accepted something that was unacceptable we have settled for uh, maybe um, a condescending condescending manager. Maybe we've settled for relationships that we knew that didn't align with our purpose and were um, just someone that was sucking the life out of us. So uh, being able to set healthy boundaries and not only that, stick to those boundaries. Um, also, when we're a part of that, is also not allowing someone to tell you who you are not. Let the Bible be the guide. You know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed going in and blessed going out. I'm a royal priesthood. Go to the source to determine who you are. And as it relates to the marketplace, I would say, nor your value is going back to scripture. Your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. That also means making room for you in the marketplace. So think about when you needed products and services and you invested in that product and you invested in that service. Why do you think? that your gift is not worth investment why do you think because you are a believer that um and you are a giver that you have to give everything away you've already sown your time you've already sown your resources um you've already sown so many different things so know that you can put a price tag on that thing that's going to open the door and make room for you and you don't have to be guilty about it um nor your value is also protecting one of the biggest assets that we have is the commodity of time Mm -hmm. time is something that we can never get back that means that i no longer have to answer every phone call because i have to um balance it out maybe this is my rest time maybe this is my reset time maybe this is my self-care time and so tying in with that and i'll end with this self-care when you know your value you will put on your own oxygen mask first we know the analogy um well not the analogy we we the analogy i'll say that that we use with the airplane you know put on your own oxygen mask before you help someone else so when we know our value we're not going to feel guilty when we say, you know what, I, my, my friend is having this event, but I know that I'm absolutely exhausted. Let me send a seed. Let me pray. Let me forward the flyer. Support can happen in different ways. It doesn't mean you always have to show up when you're already in on E. And so, when you know, when you truly know your value and you know who you are, you're going to be okay with taking care of yourself first. You're not going to jump in the pool. I used to call myself a first responder. I was always the person that, as people, I had a friend that said I would throw in my fire suit and I would be on go whenever someone called. Guess what? I wasn't mature enough to know that that person or that situation wasn't my assignment. And because I was a first responder, I was burnt out from something that God didn't even call me to help with because I was a first responder. I was given resources where God didn't have me plant. And I was saying, Lord, my harvest is not matching my seed. Why? Because I wasn't um, led to give. So when you really know your value, you will understand boundaries. You will understand balance and you will take care of you first so that you can be more effective in taking care of others. Your, whether it's your husband, your children, and being in purpose without being on zero.
0: Oh, wow. Great tips. That was awesome. So I, I remember reading a Facebook post and matter of fact, I kept the post um, uh, that said, um, I witnessed my mom live through a toxic and abusive marriage. Day by day, her husband chipped away at her killing her spirit. God provided several ways of escape in a 40 year span but fear of not being able to survive without him had its grip. She thought she could fix him. How many of us thought we could fix and change people in the name of love? Yikes. I, that, that spoke volumes to me. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it spoke to me is because a lot of people don't understand why she stays or why yeah. he stays. And a lot of it plays right back into what you've been talking about already, knowing your value, Mm -hmm. realizing what it needs to have. So you were saying in that post that she had been in that relationship for over 40 years. Yes. Okay, so that means that she was in that relationship while you were growing up.
1: She's still in the relationship.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So let's back up a little bit because now this brings a whole new perspective to the conversation Mm -hmm. because not only were you a witness to what was going on, you developed emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of that during this period of time that you were in the household with them so let's go back a little bit and talk about how did that play out for you how how did you determine who you were and what your boundaries were going to be in that type of situation being raised in that type of household
1: i saw my mom my mom was very nurturing you know she would always you know Come in and took us in at night, you know, peep in in the middle of the night and, you know, check on us. But although she loved on us and she told us that she loved us every day, that little girl in me saw my mother as weak because she didn't have a voice. No matter what he said, no matter how toxic, I didn't even know the word toxic was back then, no matter how toxic it was, no matter how hurtful it was, she never corrected him, she never spoke up. Um, I didn't know anything about I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything about spirits back then. But now knowing whenever he walked in a room, the atmosphere changed. It's almost like it dropped in a negative way. People didn't want to be around him because he had this, you know, this aura of control. And um, it was. I think God, it was it was trauma, but I didn't know it at the time until you're out of it. Sometimes you don't know. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, I remember probably early elementary. I remember physical abuse, uh, where I remember him pushing my mom the bed and her finger breaking back. And I think she sprained her finger, but never got medical attention because they'll probably ask questions. Um, I know that she has like a something like a like something that looks like staples on her chin because you know that was physical abuse. But even though it's from elementary, you can still see the scar. Mm-hmm. As we got older, it wasn't physical abuse. It was more verbal abuse. You know, you couldn't talk unless you were yelling. Everything was almost like, this is my house. You know, that's the way you try to command the space. Now, what I believe is I'm 45. My mother has been married to him since I was four, but he was never a father figure. Now I have four siblings. I mean, I have three, it's four of us. I have three siblings. Um, They have... um, My three siblings have the same father. I have a different father. He's none of our father. So what I believe is when my mom met him, he was in the military. She was in the projects and you have four kids. He is your savior. He moved you out of the projects into a house and he was able to do everything that he wanted to do, you know, and she, she didn't leave, you know. And so just just with the children, there was no boundaries with discipline, etc. And so for me, it was just I would just say, oh, my God, I would just feel like, you know, where's your voice? You need to speak up. This is wrong. I was just waiting for her to show up, waiting for your foot to be put down, waiting for you to. We didn't care about the house. You know, children, sometimes we parents think that you care about this and that, but you really care about say we're afraid. I see how your spirit is like you like you're almost like your continence has changed because your insecurity. And so what I believe is because I saw my mother, although I love my mother, we were close to my mother. But I saw that as a weakness that as instead of me running to abuse, as I got older, I was on the opposite spectrum where I had a zero tolerance. Although I knew that um, nobody's perfect, it's like one thing and I'm out. You know i had like zero tolerance um i also um i had my daughter when i was um 23 and i didn't her father and i went our separate ways when she was two so i didn't date or the only time i did date rather my daughter was at her father's house or um she was maybe with my sister or my best friend because i didn't want to expose my daughter to men and i really didn't want to get married because i grew up with a bully as a stepdad. And so I was really just almost like prejudging. I don't want to bring anyone around my daughter. So I absolutely didn't expose my daughter to men. And then there were opportunities that I could get married, but it was fear, you know, of is he going to be you know, of what I grew up with?
0: hmm.
1: And at the time, I didn't know why I would, you know, when a relationship got too serious, I would break it off or, you know, guys would leave because they would say, well, you know, you say I can't come over. I know you're seeing somebody said, no, I have a daughter. And even though my daughter may have been four at the time, you know, four year olds are very smart. They kind of know. This is Johnny. This is Joe. And this is somebody else. Exactly. I just always not that I didn't do whatever it is that I wanted to do. My child just wasn't involved in it. And I didn't get too serious because I really didn't want her to have a stepdad because I had a bully for a stepdad. Now that I'm spiritually mature, I would now use the word warlock because it was manipulation. It was control. um, It was toxic. It was abuse. It was, I didn't even know what a soul tie was. My mother was so, so tied. It is oppression. And you tried to keep us oppressed as well. So you couldn't even communicate effectively with the children because it's supposed to be a package deal. But it was like jealousy because my mom was nurturing whenever she, you know, was like loving on us. It's almost like jealousy. Not almost. It was jealousy. And we're not in competition with you.
0: Wow, that is important to bring out because I think a lot of times we don't think about what that looks like. We don't mm-hmm. think about how other people may be viewing what is going on from the outside looking in. Um, even from your your childhood and the things that you experienced um, by him being the one that always needed to be in control and and have the spotlight in essence on him what did you say to yourself how, how did you set those boundaries to where you had the no tolerance because there had to be a conversation that you had with yourself at some point in time when you said i'm not going to do this this is not going to be how i live my life
1: yeah. i just felt like and i did not like i said i didn't even know the word dysfunction but i said this is not what it, this is just this is for the birds This is just not how it's supposed to be. It doesn't matter that, you know, you've been married for so many years and you have this amount of children. I would have I am the person if I had 20 kids, we're going to go to a homeless shelter, you know, because this is not the way you know that's supposed to be so i just think that even as a child i didn't even like i said i had no spiritual background no spiritual maturity but i believe god was speaking to me and just you know you say said holy spirit is something in your intuition something just didn't feel right when you walk in a room you get that negative vibe i've got that not just from here from other people as well where it just didn't sit well so as i got older when i met people that had anger issues or control i knew it was almost like a familiar spirit. I knew that I can't do that because I can't change him because X amount of years in my mom is still in that situation and that can lead to oppression. And I refuse to be oppressed.
0: So you had said that you have other siblings and in, where do you fall in, in the line of, of you and your siblings? I'm the baby. I'm the baby too. four. So, um, Let's switch gears a little bit because it gives me a, um, a greater insight into mm-hmm. how you came about the organization. Mm-hmm. Because now we get the backstory of how you ended up determining and how God used you to know your value. So mm-hmm. you had mentioned that in 2011, God had given you that title. Mm -hmm. And even in the post, you had said in 2010, when God gave me the name, I know my value. I didn't know why and didn't fully know my value. Although I was already leading women's ministries, God charged me to be a safe place for women, regardless of the situation and pour in with transparency beyond the church walls. I get flooded with inboxes from strangers needing a safe release. I get it now. So as you were coming out of being in your mom's house and you're you're stepping into your own and god has now given you this this charge of of what your purpose is and what he wants you to do how did you step into that realm because sometimes we can know what we want to do but we don't know how to step into the purpose i
1: i think that i was thrown into it Because I was I suffered with um, I would always dumb myself down. Like I always wanted to I I was always a seer and I was always someone that may have had revelation, but didn't know it. Right. Because like I said, I was spiritually ignorant and I wanted to be in the back. And so I would be feeding stuff to other people. And a lot of times the same thing that that God gave me they was using that. Right. And so every what happened was. Every ministry that I went to, someone would try to put me in the front. Oh, you're going to teach Bible study. You're going to be a women's ministry. You're going to do this. And I ended up leading leaders. And so it was like, even though it wasn't like, you know, ready or not, here I come. It was like, (laughs) you know, you're thrown (laughs) into this thing. And so what I realized is even before that, because I think it's not about a title, people I've been, people were always coming to me for counsel and even strangers on Facebook, they would share very intimate details of their life, and I'm thinking, well, they have a pastor, or they have a best friend, and say I can't tell anybody this, and then they would just share, or they would say, "Hey Erica, can we go do lunch?" And I would think they wanted to do lunch for business, and that the women would just weep and share whether it's past child past childhood trauma, whether it's I'm in this relationship with this married man, and I know that it's wrong, but I don't know how to get out. And when I realize that people are trusting me with the intimate details of their life. And then they'll say, well, you didn't judge me. You didn't beat me up. I realized that that was definitely part of purpose because people were getting beat up. Even when they had spiritual leaders, they couldn't be real. They couldn't come and be naked and not ashamed. And so what I, I was doing the work, but didn't call it work because it was just natural you know, what people reaching out. And so what I, when God gave, I was doing that before I know my value. When God gave me out on my values, okay, this is going to be, I've been doing women's ministry. This is going to be the women's ministry. And then what fast forward, I changed it into, because I already had business and marketplace and I was loving it together. So I separated you know, kind of kind of ministry and marketplace, even though I do marketplace ministry. So it's really I know my value is is a the name. I know my value now is under I know my value consulting, but I still use the original. Like I know my value kind of DBA for ministry because who I am in ministry is never going to be separated from the marketplace. I've tried so many times and it just it just doesn't work. And so it's really just telling women and I I deal with men, but I really feel like my assignment is, is more so women. When somebody has done something and they're already broken, it is not my job to 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 judge them. It is not my job to beat them up. You're already convicted and you need to release. It is my job to speak life into you. It is my life to, you know, give you the word, you know, um, old things have passed away. All things have become new. You know, there's no condemnation for those that are in. Christ Jesus, and now how can we get back to this state? And so, part of I believe knowing that knowing your value and teaching people that is that you are not your mistake, you are not your decision. Yes, you may have done X, Y, and Z. However, you can recover. And so, I believe that it has been a I don't know, I don't want to call it a ministry, but I I'll, I'll say that it has been more of a, a movement of restoration, a movement of it doesn't matter. You've been people have been pulpit bullied. I've been pulpit bullied by me being very honest about my past and and what I will I want to tie this into my past. Um, I believe that maybe those daddy issues, you know, and just you know not having that guidance and he was so strict, you know. You look at a boy, you got to be sleeping, you, you know, just very just so strict. So when I got out of the house, I got very promiscuous, and so I believe that because you're so you can't I can't even really talk to a boy on the phone. So it's like when you're free there's no bad. There's nothing, no balance, no boundaries. You're just, I'm free now. I can do what I want to do. I left Columbus. I moved to Atlanta and I'm going to have a hot girl, summer, winter, fall, <laughs> everything, <laughs> you know? And so um, promiscuity. And so I've always been very honest about my testimony. I would say I was the woman at the whale. Well. And so it was a lot of things where When God began to call me, because I know my testimony of past promiscuity that I felt like God couldn't use me. But when I got free enough to believe that that's why God can use me because when women come to me, I'm transparent. I don't tell them when they say, well, Erica, how have you been celibate or whatever? I don't tell them that I'm a superhero. I say, you know what, I'm human just like you, but the word says make no provision for the flesh. when When I decided to walk that walk, I stopped putting myself in situations where I could fail. It wasn't that I'm better than you. It wasn't that I'm stronger than you. It's that I know myself, and I, I did something different. So, I believe that um, people don't want you just throwing scriptures at them. People want real stories. They want to say what when you having when you were having this weak moment. What did you do? When you went through this with you know when you saw this growing up, how did you how did you heal? What did you do? I didn't get counseling until well, I probably went for counseling in 2016, but it wasn't a good match. It wasn't until 2018 that I got counseling and realized there was some residue there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was because I don't even refer to him as my stepdad. I say my mama's husband. (laughs) That's because my mama's husband had left and their house was paid off and he had put a second mortgage on the house. And so I felt like, You know, he was just doing some very irresponsible stuff. And so I was in my hometown on Christmas and he showed up at my aunt's house and I began to confront him on different things because I do. I'm in financial advising. So I was doing um, a life insurance policy. And then all of a sudden I just got very frustrated. And I said, how is it that I'm paying your life insurance and you have a wife and you don't even have insurance on your life? Because their policies lapse on paying. You know, I'm doing the things that I felt you should be doing as a man. You have. VA, you have retirement, you have VA disability. The resources are there, plus the house paid off. That second mortgage could be probably $300. You know, So I am feeling very resentful because you're there. My mom is serving you. And you've been gone for about six months. And you show up. And it's okay with her. And so I'm really irritated. (laughs) And so that irritation, I had no, number one, when I was coming to my hometown, I didn't know he was going to. I wasn't expecting him to be there. But the simple fact that he was there, it just brought it was a trigger for me because she's over there serving him, like you know, welcome home, like he's been there, whatever. No, you don't get to be gone for six months and call her every now and then or whatever. Then you show up at her sister's house on a holiday and she's fixing your plate. You slop down one plate and she brings you another plate. I was, oh my God, I was at 10. <laughs> and then I'm over there writing life insurance and then it triggered me, wait a minute, and not on them, I'm, I'm paying your life insurance. And so. It was, and I began to just throw some things out. You know, he was a cheater. I just said, okay, how? You know, he was just he was he said something that was this is what the trigger was. I'm about to buy a car. Um, and he was explaining what kind of car he's gonna get, and I was like, hold on, wait a minute. How is it that you can afford a car when you don't have insurance on your life to take care of your wife, and I'm paying your life insurance? I said that makes no sense to me. And then he. Well, I gave her the house or whatever. I said, no, you didn't, because you went and put a second mortgage on it. And my mom said he put a second mortgage on it. Well, she don't know. I understand. I used to be a mortgage lender. You had to sign for it. So it wasn't like he did it on his own, right? You gave into that, right? And so he just was, you know, well, saying whatever he needed to say. Mm -hmm. And then here's one thing that he said. Um, Barbara doesn't know how to take care of a man. And I went slap off. And I said, she knows how to take over a man so much that we she sacrificed us taking care of you. I said you were abusive. You were, you came and went as you pleased. I said, You are a cheater. You are, I just went down, I said you've been a he's been in physical fights on my two brothers. You've been in fist fights on my brothers. Um, just I just went down a laundry list of stuff. And let's not forget, you know, and I was just throwing stuff out there, throwing stuff out there, throwing stuff out there. And um it was like my aunts were like. I had, it was like two aunts and my cousin. They were like, "Oh my God!" Because honestly, and it's so crazy, everybody has always acted afraid of him. God had given me a spirit of boldness in that moment, and then I was throwing. Some, and then went and then he was just—he dropped on his under his breath. He said, "Well, you can see." He dropped his head, and he said, "You can say what you want to say." And then I just start, bam, 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 going down the line again. And then I said, "Now look me in my face, demon, and tell me that I'm lying." he literally got up went all the way outside you know like all the way to the the end of the street at that time someone had dropped him off there he couldn't even face me because what I it was kind of like facing giants when people think of the Goliath okay this is a person has been you know he's a curse or he's aggressive he's angry he's whatever nobody has ever confronted him and that was a clear sign of in stature, you're bigger than me or whatever. But because nobody had ever confronted you ever, because people tiptoed around you, the spirit man in me rose out up and the demon in him fled. Now, this is what put me in a bad place with my mom. He went out to he went out there. I don't know how long he was out there. But then he came back to the slide door and said, hey, come here. And my mom went out there to see what he want. You didn't come over and say whatever to me. You were over there pretending like it didn't happen. And so... To me, that was a weakness. You don't know how to confront the issue. Like, where did this come from? Are you good? Are you OK? But you're so, so tied. You're so oppressed. Even after all of that, which was true, he did. I rose up because he disrespected you. You don't know how to take care. He's telling, he's belittling you while you're serving him. And so um, I got in counseling because at that, mo- at that moment, I got very angry at my mother. It was probably midnight, and I was sitting up and I said, Okay, I'm about to go. And Atlanta I'm I'm from Columbus, but it's about an hour from hour and a half from Atlanta. And then my no, no, you need to stay here. You don't need to drive home. You know, hour plus. I said, No, I'm gone. And my mother came to the window. She's like, Where are you going? And I was just staring at her. I couldn't say anything because I felt like I would be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to say, You're so weak. What get really? (laughs) And so I went to counseling, and I withdrew from my mother because, you know, honor. I wanted to be able to show honor. And I felt like that for so long, he's been able to talk to us any kind of way. He's been able to talk to you any kind of way. He's been able to do whatever he wanted to do. And in that moment, you stood over there in the kitchen like nothing happened, silent. When he called you, you went running out there like you always do. Don't come out here and try to Make me stay. I'm not spending the night. I'm going home. <laughs> and I've totally withdrew. And but counseling gave me the freedom to withdraw. Because people always say, Well, that's your mother. Back in the day, that's what people did. You know, they didn't leave and they didn't talk about, you know, trauma and abuse or whatever. You never know. Her mother could have went through abuse or da 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 da. And so my counselor, her background was, um, she had an abusive background. And she talked about how her counselor told her that, and her mother was aware and her mother didn't do anything. And she said her her counselor gave her permission to withdraw because she felt anger and whatever. And so I was silent for about, I don't even know, the, I, I don't know the time frame. And of course people came up against me, you know, forgiveness, I said, I am a forgiveness, but honor, would you rather for me to be disrespectful? <laughs> sometimes silence and sometimes you have to set a boundary so i said my my mindset i was so angry i said that is your lord you know that is your god and so i just had to get quiet and i had to do some natural things too i went deeply into self-care i went the 30 um that was december t- 2018, I think. I went into deep self care. I started getting massages like every other week. I started detoxing. I did a 31. Uh, I did a 31 day fast and ends up I haven't went back to meat since. So I'm I was, I'm coming up on three years, you know, meatless. And so just really giving myself permission to take care of me. It used to be a time that I couldn't even get a massage without my phone being on because I was that person that had to respond to everything. And so that was like that changing point when I realized. You can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved. Before I relocated, I even got a home. I wasn't purchasing, but I moved to a bigger um, place to have enough space for my mom because I wanted that to be a safe haven. I said, if I move here, are you going to come? Yes. I'm paying way more money than I wanted to pay with just one child. She spent one night there in six months. By the grace of God, I was able to get out of that lease. And then I moved, you know, to Atlanta. So what I realized I've tried to run over there on lunch. Let me check on my mom. Let me see how she's doing. Um, He's spending money like crazy. Let me make sure my mom has this, this and that. Um, The life insurance lapse. So let me make sure I take because something happens to him. Make sure, you know, she can still survive and still, you know, go on. And, um, hey, you want to come to Elan, hey, you know, and I was just constantly throwing a life raft, throwing a life raft. But here's the thing when I realized, my mother has three surviving siblings. All of them have homes and all of them have at least two plus more extra bedrooms or bathrooms. Each one of my siblings have our own spaces with at least one extra bedroom or bathroom. My mom has six ways of escape. She doesn't want to be saved. And I had to come to grips with that. This is a situation that she chooses to be in. Not only that, um, they own my um, mom and her siblings owned some land and they sold that land in the spring and they got a lump sum of money. They owned over 100 acres of land. So I know that that was a good amount of money, even though they're closed lipped about how much it was. So that lets me know not only do you have the places to go, six places to go, you also have the resources to go that if you wanted to pay, you don't have to buy again. If you wanted to pay your rent up for a year, two years, three, you got the resources to do it. So you want to be in that situation. And so that is where the knowing your value comes in and saying, sis, listen, don't be, um, don't let money be your God. Don't, yes, he may be the provider or whatever, but you have to know that God will provide because as you stay in a situation that's toxic, um, it's gonna constantly notice, I said in the post, chipping away at her spirit. It was no longer physical abuse. It was just chipping away at her spirit. You're saying stuff that's putting her down or you're gone and she doesn't know where you are. And so you're worried about your husband. Um, not only that, he has health issues. So, you know, you're the one that does a lot of, Things for him, and so um, I would just tell I, my my message to people is even with family because people think that you 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 can't set boundaries with family. You have to set boundaries with family. Um, sometimes I've seen where people may have siblings that just have a takeover spirit you have to set boundaries it doesn't mean that you don't love them you just say if you're i'll give an example if there's a married couple and you have a sibling that comes over and tries to disrespect your spouse you have to put your foot down yes you love your sister yes you love your brother but you have to set the boundary this is your husband's you and your husband's house set the boundary know your value if you have someone that's kind of always saying remember when you were this or remember when you were that yes you may have done this yes you may have done that but that is not the essence of who you are now you have to get free enough that it doesn't just it doesn't cripple you when somebody brings up your past it doesn't stop you it doesn't oppress you and just say you know what yes, I did it. Yes, I was or whatever. And understand that that is now, you know, your testimony. And so I'm not saying that it's easy, but I am a proponent of counseling, not just going to talk to your your pastor, because guess what? I'm a pastor. I needed something natural. I got scripture. I got, I know how to pray. I know how to fast and I I got season that, but I needed some practical tools, some practical information. That practical information was start journaling, journal your thoughts. And that journaling was like a release that practical information was guess what? You don't have to respond to the text. You don't have to respond to the call. You don't have to go there. Don't put yourself in situations where you know it's going to be a trigger. I'll give you another example after that happened and I I reengaged with my mother I called one day and she put me on speakerphone and tried to make me say, Hey, speak to him. That was a trigger for me. You're not going to force this relationship. <laughs> and so, what did I have to do? I had to pull back again because you want, I get it. You love him, you love me, you want everything to be cohesive, but I am choosing me. And so, you have to choose yourself and be okay with it. Not only that, you have to choose your family. So what if you have a child that feels uncomfortable with someone else? Hey, you know, such and such makes me feel blah, whether it's comparison or bullying, you know, you're, you're chubby, you're thick and they feel insecure about themselves. You have to say, hold on, don't talk to my child like that. Don't make them feel insecure. And so being able to protect the ones you love because one of the biggest challenges with trauma is when you don't feel protected by your parents. You gotta feel protected. Do I know my mom loves me? Absolutely. Do I know she loves us? Absolutely. Was she abusive to us? No. But by her not having self worth, she allowed so much. Now this is something huge. I don't. Th- I've never shared this publicly, but I'm so free. Her husband used to, and I had totally forgot because, like, you know, I think sometimes with trauma you can forget things. There were times that he walked around with a rifle. Wow. And it was just kind of like mumbling on his breath. It's my house. Now, did he ever point it at us or whatever? But I, I don't really, it didn't have a. I didn't even think about it until maybe like two years ago because God. I think God just blocked it in my memory that you. This man is walking around the house territorial with not a not a twenty two, not a handgun, but with a rifle. You walking in the hallway, you may walk past the living room, living room, but you want to remind us that this is my house. About two years ago, I had a um, ex boyfriend share something with me that I had no idea. I didn't date for the first time until I was in twelfth grade, and there was one guy who could you know came could come over periodically. He told me the first time he came over and he was waiting for me to come to the door that um, her husband pulled a gun on him. Wow. He never told me that. And I'm 40, this was about two years ago. Here it is this many years later. And he told me that. He said, do you know that he pulled a gun on me? And I'm thinking like, wow. And so I would never. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes the church says, you know, God hates divorce. Well, God does not. God says, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. Are you in a marriage where, you know, you're being loved as Christ has loved the church? Christ is not going to physically abuse. You know, Christ is not going to, you know, in in God, we're built up. You know, we're not torn down. And so what I'm grateful for is I'm not saying that I've arrived, but what I'm so grateful for is sometimes when people come out of toxic situations, they can run to that because they think that's the norm. But I'm so glad that I was able to escape and decide that that even when I didn't know my value and there are times that I've settled, but I did not I think I have never been in an abusive relationship. And it's only about the grace of God. It's not that I've done everything so good. And when I saw signs, even when it was hard, I just was like, this just doesn't feel right. Let me trust that intuition. I wasn't even saying the Holy Spirit. Let me trust my gut. Something is telling me. And so I got out of those situations. And um, I've taught my daughter, you know, the same thing. I now have a granddaughter and my daughter doesn't allow anyone to keep her daughter, it's me, my childhood best friend, who's like a, you know, aunt to her or my sister. and So she's very protective as well. But I don't think her protection is more of a, a a curse and fear. It's just now understanding why I didn't let my daughter spend the night certain places or whatever. I don't know what that household, you know, not even thinking about like molestation or whatever, just thinking about you don't know what's going on on the other end. You don't even want the toxic behaviors for your child to be exposed to that and think that's the normal. Well, at their house, they can do this or they can do that, you know, or no.
0: I think that that's important. There's a couple of things that you brought up that I kind of want to tie back into because it's very important that we realize that there are times when you have to love people from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. So I, I don't want anybody to think, you know, even in their own misguided thought process that when we have to love people from a distance, it's because we've chosen ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's something in the midst of that, that is not healthy for me. And so I need to back up. I need to take mm-hmm. a back seat to this relationship for this period of time so that I can take care of me. Because something mm-hmm. in me is being triggered. Something in me is unsettled. Something in me is feeling threatened. And mm-hmm. so when I fit into that space, then that means I need to take a step back and I have to say, OK, um, let me go in and do what the word of God says. Physician, heal thyself.
1: Mm-hmm. Let
0: me go and, and get the help and the support that I need to make sure that I'm making healthy decisions where I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And then also you said something else that I thought was was very, very key. Therapy is a good thing as -hmm. long as you are matched up with a therapist that meets your specific needs. Mm -hmm. Every therapist is not for every patient. Mm -hmm. So if something in you says that this person is not right for you, they work for you. You don't work for them. Let them know um, I don't think this relationship is working for me and find you someone that it does work with. It mm-hmm. doesn't diminish you in any way. What it does is it it reiterates that you know what you need.
1: Absolutely. I mean, not
0: everybody has the capacity to meet you at the point of your need and then take you where you need to go. Um. I've, I've done counseling myself and, and I really believe that having that non-interested third party that does not have any skin in the game is a good thing because they're coming from a different position than somebody who knows you and, and they have something to lose or to gain based upon whatever the situation is. So that's always a positive thing. We as women have to realize that our value also speaks to our power. Mm-hmm. We have to maintain our own power. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about me diminishing anyone else. It's about me stepping into mm-hmm. a space that identifies who I am, shows me my value, my worth, and my power, and then gives me permission to show up as my authentic self. Everything mm-hmm. that I am and everything that I'm not. I have a right to show up as as authentically as I possibly can. So i really thank you erica for sharing that with our listening and our viewing audience because what it does is it empowers people you Mm -hmm. know there is um the poem by marianne johnson um my greatest fear and in that poem it has one very important part that has stuck with me every time i heard it and i think the very first time that i heard it was on the movie coach carter okay and at the end of it it says who are you not to shine wow you know it does not serve the world for you to shrink or to dumb yourself down in service to others because in you shining you thereby give others permission to do the same Mm -hmm and i think that's the thing that we really have to begin to step into that space and to realize because i'm a firm believer that by me living my purpose out loud and in living color Mm -hmm. i instinctively give other people permission to do the exact same thing
1: i believe that yes
0: and so it, it makes a difference for us to be able to step into those spaces and to step into our reality yes all of us have a past let's put that out there everybody has a past everybody has done things that they're not necessarily proud of everybody has gone through situations that they probably would not share in mixed company everybody has but don't judge me by my last worst day
1: yes i love that I love that. Michelle, may I I share something? I know that I've shared it kind of in the context of what I was sharing, but I want to make it plain. It doesn't matter what happened to us and I'm not minimizing whatever has happened to anyone. But healing is our responsibility. Yes. How long are we going to give that person, that situation, the power to control us? right the power for us and that the move forward the power for us not to trust again, the power for us not to believe that we can be healed or God can do it for us. The power in believing that all relationships are blah, all families are dysfunctional. How long are we going to believe um, the the lies of the enemy? You know, the Bible tells us that, that um, Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy. And so he's destroying uh, families. He's destroying our thought pa- pattern. But it is up to us. Um, to follow script. God came to give us life and life more abundantly. And it's up to us to live that abundant life. So what does that look like? It is seeking God's face. It's seeking um, wise counsel, which includes natural counseling. And I do believe it needs to be a neutral Third party. Even if you, I'm not discounting. You can go to your pastor and leader, but it doesn't discount the need for professional counseling. And so, when you decide to heal, because sometimes we we think if we don't let go of that hurt or let go of that trauma, then it's t- saying that the person that caused it that they're right, or you know, we want to hold on to it like a bandaid. But we have to, you know, get free. We have to um, be liberated. I don't believe that I could be effective in ministering and encouraging people, um, woman, man, boy, child, if I did not eat my own medicine, if if I, I did not take my own advice. And so the first thing is you don't even have to go. Don't even go to Doubting Thomas. You have that girlfriend or you have that boyfriend that always tells you, you know, just pray about it. Well, guess what? I have prayed about it. Or guess what? I'm so tired and exhausted. I don't even want to pray. So you need to do what you're led to do and what you are um, instructed to do. And don't say that something doesn't work if you haven't tried it. And so it is just um, super, super important to take charge of your future. Take charge of your next and be whole. Behind. That is so
0: so very, very important. Um, because if you don't take charge and live your life, who is?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a difference between existing and living.
1: Absolutely. I can
0: exist in the midst of the mess, but when I live, I live with the fullness of who God created me to be. And so I'm a firm believer in stepping out there. And some t- look, nobody in my family has been on the radio, has a podcast, or I'm an author, is an author. Yes. If I would have allowed the limitations that are the natural course of family to be the reason why I did not step into those spaces, we wouldn't be having this conversation today.
1: Absolutely, I love it.
0: That is one of the most important things that we began to challenge ourselves give ourselves permission to live our best lives now. Because like you said, God created us to live and to live abundantly. So it is up to us to determine what that abundance looks like as we live out our purpose. Because we never know if our purpose is the answer to someone else's life question. And if you never discover your purpose, they will never have their Question,
1: answer. wow i love it
0: you know what erica it has been a pleasure speaking with you and conversating with you so why don't you tell our listening and viewing audience how to get in touch with you if they would like to get in touch with you
1: okay you can find me on facebook on uh, a personal page erica with a c e-r-i-c-a f brooks um, a business page, I know my value, and it's spelled exactly how it sounds. My email address is erica, erica, at i know my value.com. Um, I am a licensed financial consultant, so insurance investments, and um, also business development. And of course, if you need just empowerment to know your worth, know your value, then I am your girl
0: thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing your wisdom and giving those tips and tools that people will be able to utilize in their own lives so everybody this is your girl michelle and erica with girls talk real talk because when girls talk just about anything can happen so join us again next week for another fantastic show we'll talk to you later bye-bye